Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. I am still really feeling that the Holy Spirit is really working today. And I believe one of the things why we will have worship like this on a day like this is a reminder of what took place on the cross. It's a reminder that when Jesus died on the cross, everything was taken care of. When the Bible says his last words were, Tetelestai, it is done, it is finished. Everything was taken care of on the cross. Amen. So I'm really, really feeling like, Lord, what is it that you want to do this morning? I pray that all of us will walk out of here knowing that it is done. It is done. It is taken care of. Jesus took care of any infirmity, any sin, any transgression, anything that you may be facing right now. It is taken care of on the cross. And therefore, I'm going to ask you a question that's going to lead us to our word today. How do you show up at the foot of the cross? How do you show up at the foot of the cross? And who do you identify with the most? Who do you identify with the most with all the characters that have been spoken about at the foot of the cross? When we read scripture at the foot of the cross, we see a few things. If you can get me to those slides, we see a few things about the people that were at the foot of the cross. The bystanders, the believers, the rulers, the robbers, the soldiers, and there was a savior. And there was a savior. The bystanders were there, the rulers were there, the believers were there, but there was a Savior who came and died for our sins. I like what Pastor Lireko just shared now. This is a reminder that we are the ones who should have been on the cross. We are the one who should have been on the cross, but Jesus came and died for us on the cross. So let's open Luke chapter 23. That is our text for today. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will meet us there, and we are going to be challenged by the Word, just as our hearts are ready to receive the Word of the Lord. When we read from verse 26, the Bible says, And they led him away. They seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and laid on him the cross, to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning, them to, Jesus, turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For, they, for if they do these things, when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? The two others who were there were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, which is Golgotha, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. 
And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they cast lots and divided his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him a sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him saying, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who had hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourselves and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into the kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, from this scripture that we've read, I want to just give you a bit of background. When you read um, Luke 23 from the beginning, we see Jesus being taken to trial. And as Jesus is taken to trial, it is very interesting that both Herod and Pilate did not find Jesus guilty. It is so interesting that they tried Herod, it did not work out, and then they went to Pilate, it also did not work out. But what amazes me the most is when I read a few verses before, it says that on that day, Herod and Pilate became friends. On the day that Jesus was crucified, people who were enemies became friends. On the day that Jesus was crucified, restoration took place. So you may be sitting here and you're trusting God for restoration in your family. I'm here to tell you that Jesus died for that restoration. You may be sitting here and you're trusting God for restoration in your marriage. I want to say Jesus has taken care of that restoration that you're trusting God for. When Jesus was crucified, two enemies became friends. Trust God that today there will be restoration that will take place in your relationships. Trust God that today, whatever Jesus has paid for on the cross will be paid for today. Because it's taken care of on the cross. When we read this uh, context, we understand that on the day, normally during the festivals, they would release one of the prisoners as a way to show mercy. And in this instance, Pilate says, let's release Jesus because I don't see anything wrong. But something interesting happens here. They choose for Barabbas to be released. Barabbas was someone who was arrested for insurrection and for murder. And they let him be released. And they say about Jesus, crucify him. I think about Barabbas and I think about some of the prisoners that are walking free today in South Africa. I won't mention their names. (laughs) I I said I'm not going to mention names, right? You think about the situation and you bring it to today where some people are walking scot-free And Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, died for us on the cross. The soldiers, recognizing that Jesus was weak, they picked up Simon of Cyrene from the crowns 
to carry the cross for Jesus. Now think about this. In those days when they would crucify someone, they will take them from the courts and then they will take him to be whipped. And when they whip this person, the, 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 the whip that they use, it will have bones and metal so that every time they do a lash, it will come out with some of their skin and blood will flow. So you can imagine when they put the crown of thorns on Jesus Christ, the pain that came with that. And as he is now having to carry the cross, and Bible scholars say they would normally take the long route just so that they can make a public spectacle of the person that is being crucified. And also to say that if you were to do anything wrong or follow this guy, this is what we will do to you. This is the context of what we read here. And they picked up Simon of Cyrene. Cyrene is in the north of Africa. So now it helps us to understand why they picked up this poor guy. It helps us to understand that he stood out among the crowd. He was black like me. I must say that I do have issues with the fact that they picked a black guy, but we'll take it up with God when we get to heaven. The Bible says, and as they led him, they see Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country and laid on him this cross and carried it behind Jesus. I can submit to you that Simon of Cyrene was the first man to carry his cross and follow Jesus. Literally, 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 he picked up the cross and he was behind Jesus. He followed Jesus. Even though he was picked unjustly from the crowd, God had his plans. He will turn what is meant for evil and use it for our good. Whatever is meant for evil for you, God will use it for good. And for those people who say there's no Africa in the Bible, go read it again. Right there. As we continue to read, I want us to look at this uh, People that showed up and how they showed up at the cross. And may we ask ourselves this question, how am I showing up at the foot of the cross today? How am I showing up? We have an advantage of at that time they showed up the way they were. We have an advantage. Jesus has already died on the cross. We can choose today how we show up. The bystanders, a great multitude of people. And then you have the believers, the women who were there mourning and lamenting for him. Let's talk a little bit about the bystanders. The bystanders were those people who were just following the procession. Those people who were just going with the crowd and standing at the distance from where Jesus was. They were just curious, but they were not invested. As believers, we are invested. We are not just curious. We are invested in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Bystanders are those people who have not yet decided whether they are cold or hot. Look at how Revelation puts it to us. I know your works. I know that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you are either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Through John Jesus is speaking and he says, I would, I wish that you were cold or hot. Choose, are you a bystander or a believer? I want to challenge some of us who may call ourselves 
believers, but actually we don't realize that we are bystanders. Let me challenge you because it's so easy to say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that following Jesus will cost you everything? Following Jesus will cost you something. If you say you are invested in a relationship with Jesus, it is going to cost you something. I can tell you the story of a young man who came to me because today I chose that I'm not going to use names. This young man came to me and he said, you know, being in a relationship is very expensive. I am not going to be in a relationship. I'm going to wait until I'm working because being in a relationship now, Uber, entertainment, it is just too expensive. And this young man literally opened an investment account and invested in this investment account. And I said to him, yeah, maybe you can save for Lobola through this investment account. But I want to say he noticed that being in a relationship is costly. Being in a relationship with Jesus will also cost you something. You cannot call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ if it is not costing you. Okay, let's bring it close to home because Jesus died for us on the cross. We cannot continue to live as slaves to sin. So if you are currently cohabiting or staying with your boyfriend or girlfriend because it's economically expedient, that is not for the followers of Jesus. Okay, can we preach now? If you are staying with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you need to move out today. Because we are followers of Christ. Christ died so that we can represent him well here on earth. If you are married and you have an affair, break up from that affair today. If you are in business and you're doing business unethically, that is not what Jesus died for. You've got to change and say as a follower of Jesus, though it cost me, though it cost me, I will count the cost and I will follow Jesus. Maybe you are an influencer. Maybe you are on social media. The things that you post, are they glorifying Jesus? Maybe you are well known on TikTok. Angazi, are you glorifying Jesus with what you post? If Jesus died on the cross, it's going to cost us something. Because it cost him everything. It cost him everything. So, I'm talking about people who are moving from being bystanders today to becoming believers. I'm talking about people who are lukewarm. I call myself a Christian, but my life is not reflecting what happened on the cross. Let's talk to believers. Jesus says, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. When he said, weep for yourself and your children, there's something significant here. He's saying, for behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore or the breast that never nursed. What he's saying is, you know, in the kingdom of God, a time is coming when Jesus is talking about Jerusalem and he's talking about the end of the age where the opposite is going to happen. Right now, we are celebrating a woman being pregnant. We are celebrating a woman going to have children. But a time is coming where it's going to be harder for the people who have children. Speaking about Jerusalem and the end of the age. And he says, this is what's going to happen. They will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us. 
Suicide right there in the Bible. Mountains fall on us, kill us. The hills cover us. Covering is like when we use the things of this world, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol abuse, whether it's entertainment, we should not be entertaining ourselves with to cover the wound and the sin that is in our hearts. At the core of every addiction is the issue of worship. Who do you worship? Jesus says that time is coming when they will say, mountains fall on us, kill us. Hills cover us. For if they do these things, when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? That is like a parable. Jesus is saying, when they do this to me, who is green, whom they cannot break, what about those who don't belong to Christ? When they will be broken, they will easily break because they are dry. You have to choose. Are you a bystander or are you a believer? You have to choose, are you a follower of Jesus Christ or are you one of those that follows from a distance? The good news is at the foot of the cross, there is forgiveness for everyone. At the foot of the cross, there's forgiveness. If you feel you're a bystander, if you feel like you're a believer who's lukewarm, today come to the foot of the cross and be saved. When Jesus spoke about the last days and the end times, we read it here exactly the same words that we read in Luke, in Revelation. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slaves and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb that we've been singing about today. And from the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand when the day of His wrath comes? Who will stand? Because we now have an opportunity to choose how we show up at the foot of the cross. But when this day comes, it will be too late. I like how Charles Spurgeon explains the weeping. I know that this is Shakespearean English and it might need some decoding if you didn't take Shakespeare at high school. Ye need not weep because Christ died one-tenth so much as because your sins rendered it necessary that he should die. What Charles Pearson is saying here is we shouldn't be weeping for Christ on the cross. If we do that, that let us be one-tenth. The rest we should weep for is you need not weep over the crucifixion, but weep over your transgression. For your sins nailed the Redeemer to the accursed tree. To weep over a dying Savior is to lament the remedy. It is wiser to bewail the disease. When I read this, I'm so challenged to think about my sin, to think about our sin and the best way to put it is, our sin put Jesus on the cross, but it is love that kept him on the cross. Our sin drove Jesus to the cross, but what kept him on the cross, it is not the nails, it is his love for us. When he was on the cross, he was thinking about you and I. When he's on the cross, he was thinking, man, I don't want them to weep for me. I want them to realize that I am purchasing what would be their death? We were the ones to be on the cross. That is why I like the song that says, 
I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin on the cross. Let's talk about the other characters. Maybe we'll say, I'm not a bystander. Maybe I'm that believer who is moving from being a bystander to being a believer and moving from being lukewarm to being a follower of Christ. But there are other people at the foot of the cross, the rulers and the robbers. It says there were two criminals. It continues to say, and they came to a place called the skull. They crucified him. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his garments. By the way, that part about casting lots is it was prophesied in the book of Psalms that they will tear his clothes into pieces and cast lots. But each and every one of them wanted to take a piece of Jesus home. They didn't realize that they wanted to take the piece of the Savior home with them. And the people stood by. They are there, bystanders, watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he's the Christ of God, he's the chosen one. So the rulers were scoffing. The rulers were mocking. They were mocking Jesus. And we can say, okay, those were the rulers, the religious leaders. They were mocking Jesus. We are good. We are clean. But let me bring it close to home. Have you ever had the statement come out of your mouth or out of your friend's mouth, a statement like this, if there's so much suffering in the world, where is God? If there's so much suffering in the world, where is God? I'm here to announce to you that God is with us through the pain, through the suffering. He's with us all the time. John 16.33 says, in this world you will have troubles, but remember I have overcome. Remember that it was taken care of on the cross. When you go through the water, I will be with you. When you go through the fire, the fire will not consume you. Jesus is saying, I will be with you. So maybe you are like this ruler, so the religious leader saying, why isn't God saving us? I want to tell you that he is with us. We are not alone. But the story that really intrigues me in this passage that we're reading is the story of the two criminals. One of the criminals who hanged, railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourselves and save us. I mean, he had the audacity to use those words. He says, if you are the Christ, why don't you save yourself and save us? I like the second one, how he reparts. He says, but the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, we are justly here for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. This second person, I wish we can say we identify with him because there was a conviction of the Holy Spirit. When he saw Jesus on the cross, I am here to tell you that there is no way that he could have uttered those words except there was a conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, no one comes to me except the Father draws him. And in the last day, I will raise them up from the dead. So this second robber who used these words, do not fear God. Don't you fear God. It was the Holy Spirit was convicting him of what was taking place there. Can we identify with someone like this who was convicted by the injustice that he saw on the cross? We continue with the soldiers 
before we talk about the Savior. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering sour wine. So sour wine was to actually help him to ease the pain and to live longer, not knowing that Jesus is God. He can decide when he gives his last. There was an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. I want to explain this to us. When you read the same occurrence in the book of Matthew, we are told that the religious leaders went to Pilate and they said to him, can you change this inscription? This is the king of the Jews. You must actually write it as he claims to be the king of the Jews. He's claiming to be the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, no, I'm not going to change what I've written. What Pilate did not understand when he said, I'm not going to change what, I'm, what I've written, it was a declaration that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. So what was meant to be a charge became a proclamation of an upside-down kingdom. I pray that you see this, a kingdom where the king dies for his people and not the other way around. The only kingdom on earth where a king died for his people is Jesus, is the kingdom of God, not the other way around. And the best way to put it is, yet it was precisely because he did not save himself that he can save others. Love kept Jesus on the cross and not the nails. Let's go back to this picture of what happened on the cross. Verse 44 says, and now about the sixth hour, there was darkness over the whole land. This is like 12 noon. There was darkness over the whole land. While the sun's light failed, when Jesus was crucified, the sun's light failed. It could not fathom what was happening to God himself, the God who came down to die for his people. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn into two, then Jesus calling out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathes his last. There's something that I want to read for you that will help us understand what happened on the cross. A few months ago, my wife and I attended a retreat in French Hook. And on this uh, retreat site, they had a picture in one of the rooms that when I walked in, I actually battled to look at this picture. This picture was almost the size of this drum cage, and it was going all the way up. And this picture was Jesus on the cross. I actually battled for the time we were there to look at this picture. And for some of you, if you can look at this picture, great. If you want to just bow down, when I read what happens actually on crucifixion, you can just bow your heads. This is the picture that I want to show you. If you can please help me to get to that slide. Remember, if you watch the passion of Jesus Christ and they explain and you see the cross I'm going to read this for you. The combination of scourging and crucifixion made death on the cross especially brutal. The victim's back was first torn open by the scourging. Then the clotting blood was ripped open again when the clothes were torn before the crucifixion. 
The victim was thrown to the ground to fix his hands to the cross beam. And the wounds on the back were again torn open and contaminated with dirt while they are on the ground. Then as the victim hung on the cross, each breath caused a painful wounds on the back as he was scraping on the beam. When the nails were driven through the wrist, there was a severe large median nerve that stimulated the nerve-producing, excruciating, fiery pain on both arms. Beyond the extreme pain, the major effects of crucifixion was to restrict normal breathing, the weight of the body pulling down on the arms of the shoulders intended to fix the respiratory muscles in an inhalation state and hinder exhalation. The lack of adequate respiration resulted in severe muscle cramps. To get a good breath, the victim had to push against his feet to flex the elbows, pulling the shoulders, putting the weight on the body, and the feet produced a searing pain. Flexing the elbows, twisted the hands, and hanging on the nails, lifting the body for breath was painful. Death from crucifixion could come from many sources. Acute shock from blood loss, being too exhausted to breathe, dehydration, or stress-induced heart attack. It could also be cardiac rapture. If the victim did not die, they would break their legs. But we know that Jesus' legs were not broken because he decided when he was given his last. Crucifixion was so bad that we get the word excruciating from the Latin word crucifixion. Consider how heinous sin must be in the sight of God when it requires such a sacrifice. Now we understand when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Now we understand when the Bible says, at that moment, Jesus cried and said, Lord, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Now we understand the pain that Jesus bore for our sins. I want to share a testimony with you. When we take communion, we don't always realize the things that are happening in the Spirit. When we take communion, we don't realize that we are reenacting, we are remembering the victory that took place on the cross. A lady in the church uh, sent my wife a message yesterday, and she said that um, she had come to a point of giving up on their marriage, and we know the story, we've been tracking with them. She had come to a point where she said, this marriage is not going to work anymore. And then one Sunday morning, we were having communion, and during that time of communion, someone said, bring whatever you're carrying to Jesus and see what will Jesus do. And she 
pictured herself taking her wedding ring and bringing it at the foot of the cross. And to cut the long story short, she said, things have changed in their marriage. They are still today together because of what Jesus did on the cross. That is just one marriage. There's many marriages that get saved because of the cross. There's many lives that get saved because of the cross. There's many relationships that get saved because of the cross. Sickness, disease, mental health was taken care of on the cross. Can we bow our heads to pray? I want to ask you this question again. How are you showing up at the foot of the cross? Maybe you're online. How are you showing up at the foot of the cross? Who do you identify the most with? The bystander? The believers who are neither lukewarm? Who are neither hot or cold? Are you showing up as religious leaders or rulers scoffing at Jesus? Are you showing up as a robber who misses out this opportunity? This other robber said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So if you are here and you are feeling that you need to come to Christ and make Him Lord and Savior of your life. Or you are here as a believer and you've moved away from a loving relationship with Jesus and you want to make today the day where you recommit your life to Christ and follow Him wholeheartedly. I want to encourage you right now to raise your hand so we can pray with you. If you are here and you want to recommit your life to Christ or you want to come to Christ, just raise your hand. Wherever you are, wherever you may be sitting, remember that at the foot of the cross, there is forgiveness for everyone, everywhere. Thank you. Thank you, my sister. Thank you, my brother. Anyone else? Anyone else who say, I want to come back to Christ? Thank you at the back. Anyone else? Thank you there at the back. Anyone else who says, I want to come back to Christ? I want to come back to Christ. I want to come back to the fruit of the cross and show up differently. Family, may we all stand. And all those people who raise their hands, I'm going to ask you one more thing. I'm going to ask you to come to the front so we can pray with you. And we'll take your contact details so that we can stay in touch with you. If you raise your hand, please come to the front. Please come to the front. Let's pray with you. Just be bold. Let's come to the front. Thank you, my sister. Thank you. Thank you. Thank right here, facing this way. Even if you didn't raise your hand, if you didn't raise your hand and you know you need to come to the front, just come. Let's pray with you. Just come. Let's pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, my brother. Well done. Anyone else? If you raise your hand, just come. Just be bold so we can pray with you. We'll wait for you. Even if you didn't raise your hand and you know you need to recommit your life to Christ, come back to Christ. Just come. 
Be bold. We want to pray with you. Well done, ladies. Always love it when I see the tears on the altar. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And family, let's join them as they pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We accept you as Lord and Savior of our lives. We recommit our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We have some counselors who will be going with you. We'll be taking your numbers and uh, praying with you. Just bring your belongings with you. Uh, they will be praying with you. It is not always that you have your sister coming to the Lord and recommitting their lives to the Lord. Thank you.